whenever it comes to Jose Barrios, Mr. Ben Shulman, I feel as though we have always had, at least this season and last, the uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde conversation. But good God, did we ever get the the Dr. Jekyll version of Barrios tonight on the road? No less. We all know about those uh, home road splits. And, And yes, he did run into a teensy bit of trouble in the seventh. But for the large majority of his outing tonight, he was... Ben said, outstanding. I will say phenomenal. You can pick whatever superlative you like, but it was a, it was a much needed bounce back for him, for the Blue Jays. It's their second straight win an eight, two victory over the Pittsburgh pirates. He was amazing. He was remarkable, whatever you want to call it. Really? You know, it, it did come apart a little bit in that final inning, but he was nearing a hundred pitches and yeah, it was, it was exactly really what you could have asked for from Barrios who is starting to put it together despite a, a tough start at Fenway recently, which is, I mean, granted really for anyone, a tough ballpark to pitch in. He is really starting to put it together and he just, he was just all over the strike zone tonight. Really aggressive. you know, probably got a little bit hard done by in that fifth inning when he was still at that point pitching perfect. And then Jack Sawinski on a borderline check swing gets a walk and one batter later, there's a base hit. I mean, he, he not only kept them in the game, Obviously, the offense put them ahead by a lot, but he dominated for most of the game. He absolutely did. It was uh, great to see, especially after what happened at Fenway. So great to see a great road performance from Jose Barrios. That's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jay's Talk, of course, across the Sportsnet radio network. We are streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. We're taking your calls and your texts, of course. Phone lines are open. 416-870-0590-1-888-666-0590, star 590 on your cellular device, 590-590 is where you can text us. That is the people's text line. And Ben, it is always open. And a couple of these texts actually came in uh, during the game. I wanted to get to this just off the top, just because I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about it, but I, it, it is at least a storyline from this ball game, which was the strike zone. And it, again, I'm not here to harp on the strike zone and the umpiring in a game. The Jays won by six runs, but yeah, it was it also didn't affect the game that much. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's why we can, we have to spend too, too much time on it. It was also awful today. It was, it was, it was terrible. Like I, I'm certainly one, I'm a person willing to admit that the 2d strike box on television is not always as ideal as perhaps the 3d object. Like it actually is It's a little in, insufficient. You're on an angle too. It's diagonal. So I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. Exactly. So there's, there's, there is, and should be some margin for error, but Barrios belt bow, other guys that probably don't have B names, right? Like they all got some horrible calls and it is tough to watch. Sometimes there's a text here from, actually, okay, I'm going to read both of these texts for you. Cause they're both about belt getting ejected. Right. <laughs> um, this is for Mark in Mississauga. Good for Brandon belt on his fifth and final AB. All three of those calls were crap. Dan Schulman tried to be diplomatic, but I am so tired of bad calls. I still haven't gotten over the Chris Bassett thing. And then Peter in Toronto says another ridiculous and incompetent performance this time by Torres. And then he tops it off by ejecting belt for quietly saying a few words, arrogant and gutless. <laughs> so, I love it. I, I like lo- your I lo- acting <laughs> performance too, by You're the You're welcome. Yes. Inflection mine. Although he, <laughs> he does a uh, gutless has an exclamation point at the end. So okay. I think I did nice. it justice. Yeah. I, I will say veteran move by Brandon belt, knowing he's the DH and it's the eighth inning. Like 
Get your whatever he said. I have no clue. To sure, be honest. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea what he said. <laughs> we only found out when they came back because yeah. we're just watching the TV broadcast like everyone else that it happened. Get your get your money's worth, though, when you know you're not going to hit again and you're DHing, right? Like it didn't <laughs> truthfully, it, it didn't regardless of how we feel about the strike calls, which seemed objectively inconsistent, regardless of, of how we feel about the 2D strikes. And it definitely was not consistent at all. Get your money's worth when you don't have to play again after that. I am not going to repeat what uh, Tom Hanks says in a league of their own when he gets ejected yeah. after like the no, the no, there's no crying in baseball well, thing. Go but... watch that movie if you don't know what he's <laughs> yes, talking about. Do. It's a good, good movie. I look on Brandon Bell real quick. The guy went four for five, uh, two doubles, two walks, and Tony from Kitchener texts in to say, uh, "Can we keep this version of Belt? If him and Varsh will keep this up, the line lineup will be so much more balanced." Um, is this the red hot pirates they said were the real deal because they look <laughs> fake to me? That's fair because it's true. Like basically until this last week, the pirates were effectively one of the best teams in major league baseball. And they, I mean, they got, I think they got swept by the rays coming into yeah. the series and now they Which lost two tough. straight. And that, that is tough. The rays are all probably are, are the actual best team in baseball. Yeah. And then you lose two straight at home to the blue Jays. So that is no doubt tough, but on belt at the very least, like I, I do think we will need to see this, a little more consistently to say, Oh, the worm is really turned for Brandon belt. But I don't know. He has been, it's funny to think that he has more doubles than singles at this point. Cause it oh, yeah. kind of feels like he either strikes out in an awful fashion or is just smashing balls to the outfield fences. Yeah. And, and maybe today the two walks more important than the two doubles in a way, because the, the less he's swinging and missing and likely you do that when you're chasing you know, the better he's going to be. I, I tried to kind of say it before the game, but it, it's it's odd to look at because his numbers are objectively not good. However, when he's connecting with the baseball, like you said, I mean, he has more extra base hits than singles right now. He now has six doubles on the year, which in a vacuum is is very good for a bench player. It's just that he's not doing enough of everything else. So maybe this is, you know, a game where he unlocked a little something. I, I think more with the eye really than the power. I think we saw the power. But the fact that he was hitting good pitches and laying off bad pitches, even to his own detriment, when he got strike out on, struck out on strikes that were probably balls in the yeah. last at bat, it's a good sign, I think, for most players when they're walking more and just making better swing decisions. Usually, that means that you're going to end up hitting the ball harder. Well, it's it's interesting too with Belt because he hadn't been hitting and striking out in some big situations. I feel like I mean, not everyone's going to hit with the bases loaded, but there were. He had, I felt like early on in the season he's had an abnormal amount of bases loaded opportunities that he basically never capitalized on. Unfortunately, yeah, he's been hitting high up in the lineup too for and his production. I, and I do kind of think like we were talking about this in the pregame show, but he'd gotten pinch hit for a couple times in the past week. And it didn't really seem to bode well for his, I don't know, like his stature, his hierarchy when it comes to bench bats. And when you're not hitting and you're getting pinch hit for against righties and you're a lefty, you, get, you know, I feel like it's not not the greatest situation for you. Having said that, it probably doesn't and won't take that much for Belt. If he keep, even if he keeps this up to a smaller degree, it probably won't take that much for him to essentially recapture his place as the the better bench bat in in such options, such availabilities late in games. Yeah, I mean, this is if you count Danny Jansen as the bench catcher instead of Alejandro Kirk, neither of them are really. But let, let's just say it for argument's sake. Brandon Belt now does have the best OPS of any of the bench bats and, and has a, a pretty equal in in a smaller sample of at bats OPS in general rate stats as George Springer does. I right. mean, it's 
no one on the bench really has put up enough this year to cement a position as first guy off the bench or you're our lefty pinch hit bat. So you're right. I mean, it only takes a couple games and you go from worst to first or vice versa on this bench. I really think, and they are, I think really begging for someone to step into a role and just provide some good at bats like Belt did today. Let's go to the phone lines, Ben. Get to the phone lines right now. 416-870-0590, star five ninety on your cell. Of course, still some time to send us texts at five ninety five ninety. That's the people's text line on the phones. Adam calling in from North York. Adam, welcome to Jay's Talk. How's it going? Uh, it's going well, and it's. Uh, I, I have two things. One, first of all, the insanity of the AL East. They won every game this weekend. Um, and it looks like they're going to win every game again today. I I consider since Tampa is playing New York, it's a win for each. Um, and and also the terribleness of the Kansas City and Oakland. So um, this is my hot take for the year, that Oakland will actually beat the New York Mets futility record of 120 losses. Uh, but I love just one nice sweet story about Jay Jackson that he's getting a chance to make some major league money over, you know, after so many years of grinding it away. And I just thought it's a really nice story. Hey, absolutely. Adam, thank you for calling. Thanks for joining us on Jay's talk. I, I totally agree. Like what, when the game ended, I turned to you, Ben, we're sitting here in baseball control and I turned to you and I think my favorite thing about how the game ended is that the Sportsnet cameras lingered on Jay Jackson as, and he was all smiles. Like oh, he, he loved it. Kevin Kiermaier was the walk-off interview with Arden, but had they gone to Jay Jackson and I feel like we'll probably hear from Jay Jackson. He'll probably speak to the media in his post game, the post game scrums, so. yeah. I would think because like Adam said, great story. He's in his mid thirties, hasn't had that many major league chances. And Adam Simmer certainly feels like he is not that long away from returning, right? I mean, the Jays have one more game in Pittsburgh tomorrow. They have a day off on Monday, two games in Philadelphia, which is also in Pennsylvania, certainly. So not a super far trip from Pittsburgh. They have a game off on Thursday and then they're back at home to take on the Braves on Friday for a first of three. So Simber probably is about a week away from returning. Maybe Simber rejoins the team in Toronto on, on Friday. Maybe he does it in Philly. Who knows? But at the same time, with Simber returning, Jay Jackson probably isn't going to get, like barring something crazy, he's probably not going to get that many opportunities to pitch if they're trying to get the bullpen a little bit more, quote unquote, correct. So if that's the case, it was, I'm glad we saw him pitch today. I admit to you, I was a little, I, I was hoping we would see him pitch when the game got a little more out of control and in favor of the Blue Jays. It was a six run lead late. It was a bit more than that before that. And I kind of thought to myself, okay, Tim Meza, like, why is, why is Tim Meza pitching in the eighth? This could be a Jay Jackson spot. And then they got Jay Jackson the ninth anyway. So I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah. Great. Great to see him get a chance. Like you said, you don't know how many are going to come. I mean, it's Simber and pop and Mitch white who are not hundred percent healthy right now. So it, it is a good time to, you know, recognize a guy, whether it was for this organization or others that has put in a lot of work, not just, you know, to help himself. He's not getting a lot of the the big rewards out of the work he did in spring training or what he's doing at Buffalo. He's not getting on national TV, but he's helping the Blue Jays become a better team, whether he's helping out other pitchers, eating up innings for them, instructing guys at AAA on some of the stuff that he's learned in his minor and major league career or his 
Japanese professional career as yeah. well. So it is great always to see a guy pitch again. And like you said, you, you could just see the joy on his face after pitching that inning. You know, not a high leverage inning, but for Jay Jackson, probably an inning that he'll think about for a long time, or hopefully he has an appearance soon and he can overlap a new memory on top of that. But you could tell it was a big moment for him. And that's always fun when baseball goes kind of beyond just the game. Yeah, I was telling you before, I mean, just speaking of the Pirates, one of the one of the cool things that I'd seen just on social media was the promotion of like effectively career minor leaguer. I think his name is Drew Maggi. Yeah. And or Maggie. And he, like I said, he spent basically his entire his entire professional career in the minors, gets a call up to the Pirates when they were hurting a little bit and he he recorded some hits and a couple of RBI as well. So and he, he was sent down pretty soon after, but those kinds of things are the, the the little itty bitty things about baseball that I just, I love personally. Yeah. I, can't, I can't get enough of that stuff. There's no other sport kind of like it where a guy could, could contribute to an organization behind the scenes like that for that long. I mean, if, if there are Jay Jackson fans out there, I encourage you to go look up Winton Bernard's story as well. A guy who's spent a full decade essentially in the minors also had a family feud appearance, which is kind of a fun oh, wrinkle. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> they, he made his major league debut last year after 10 years. And I, it was like five organizations, 30-something minor league teams, and Family Feud actually posted a video about it, which was kind of funny. But in general, it, it is awesome. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of guys in the minor leagues who play long careers, help a ton of the guys who are up at the major leagues, and just fill valuable roles on teams. And it, it is great when they get, you know, a moment to shine. Jackson has pitched in the majors before and effectively with the 2021 Giants, but uh, it, it is great to see him come up again. We did get to see Jay Jackson today. Other bullpen members we saw today, Anthony Bass, and like I mentioned, Tim Meza in the eighth inning. Bass coming in for Barrios in that seventh inning, got two outs. He basically threw, I think, seven pitches, and six of them were strikes. And two he got, strikeouts. He got both guys yeah. he, he faced, And then Meza so. struck out three in a row after that. Yeah, it was pretty great. So, like, I, not a lot of complaints about Bass, who... And again, he had a clean inning the last time he had he had gotten out there as well. So that's good. It's definitely good. Is it super high leverage for Bass? No. And I and I think this was the thing I wanted to talk to you about, Ben, because I remember when the the last time Bass went out prior to the appearance at Fenway, and they and he got he got hit pretty well. I thought to myself, I was having this conversation with Ben Nicholson Smith. So I am curious where where you fall on this. I I do genuinely think, while as much as the Blue Jays hope for the best when it comes to what Bass is. And I've used this term a couple times tonight, like his stature, his place in the reliever hierarchy. I do kind of wonder if maybe Nate Pearson has not eclipsed his spot. I'm not saying Nate Pearson is like, he's not the closer or anything. Right. But in terms of circle of trust, you know, I love that term. I think maybe, oh, yeah. I, I think maybe Nate Pearson is, is a little closer to the center of the circle of trust than perhaps, than perhaps Anthony Bass is. And, and I say that knowing that his last two outings have been pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely kind of an, uh, an open door at this point, really. I, I think the Blue Jays have had more than one, a, a couple guys who they thought would be leverage for them. I, I do think Bass was still probably more of a seventh inning guy because they have Garcia, they have Swanson, they have Chad Green coming off the IL, they have Adam Simber. But, I mean, numbers-wise, which doesn't always tell the story with relievers, Garcia has struggled Pop recently struggled, went to the IL. Simber has not been as effective as he was in previous years and went to the IL. And obviously Bass has struggled. So I do think he'll get chances to get back to his spot. But yeah, if they were tied right now in the seventh inning, 
I would probably agree with you that there's a higher chance they'd go to Nate Pearson than Anthony Bass. I do think it's still, it still could change a lot like it did from the beginning of the year yeah, where yeah. Pearson has, has jumped him. But they have a lot of known quantities have acted unknown this year, essentially. And so there are spots open to move up. And, and I think Nate Pearson, until he gives them a reason not to, will continue to pitch in higher and higher spots. So we saw Swanson and Romano yesterday, and we saw Bass Mesa Jackson today. I just what you said was just got me thinking about a lot of known quantities acting like unknown quantities. And so if if you if you don't count Swanson because he wasn't on the team last year, right? So if you just and he's you, pitched really well, and he's anyway. pitched re- well yeah. regardless, right? So if you you just take Swanson out of the equation just for now because of that, I'm trying to think of the the bullpen members on this team who were effectively known quantities last year, who have stayed the same this year. And, and I honestly, Romano? maybe like, and, and he hasn't been as good. That's the thing. Like he Romano? might, like, he might be the only one. Trevor and Rich has pitched the, better. He's pitched better. Yeah. Jimmy Garcia has certainly pitched worse. Adam Simber has certainly pitched worse. And maybe how, how much you want to, of that you want to attribute to this IL stint. So I, I would it, say Tim Meza has, okay. he had a rough start and that always kind of skews perception, which is understandable. But I mean, we are, you know, his ERA starts with a zero. He's pitched 15 appearances. He's He's been pretty effective. It is also, I think, great that Barrios went as deep as he did today. No, yeah. he did not complete seven full innings, but he was, I mean, he was throwing a no hitter right up until near the, the very fifth, end, essentially. Yeah. And the he was, is when it got broken up. like he was untouchable. He was being helped out by some pretty great defense. And I want to give some, I think this term is overused when we say, give some flowers to player X or athlete X or whatever. I think we, cause it doesn't, I mean, how many flowers could there possibly be to give, right? <laughs> but, but, but Kevin Biggio had, a, had an excellent defensive day today. I think so did. did Bo Bichette. And I mean, people have texted and called about this before. I, I can't remember. I don't want to jinx it, but I can't remember the last time we had some kind of like referendum on Bo Bichette's defense. And it feels it's been, it's been a long time effectively. So, which is, which is phenomenal. Cause I don't, I don't really yeah. want to have that conversation like every five days or whatever, <laughs> but I, um, it's, it's nice that we don't have to, but uh, despite the fact that he was helped out by his defense, Barrios going as deep as he did into the seventh inning, not only was great for him, but it was also great for a bullpen so that you didn't have to overtax because heavens knows that Fenway was overtaxed. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, you know, with some of the struggles weren't put in great situations recently and Barrios, I mentioned he's coming into his own. I really think the length has been the best part of it. Three out of his last four starts now have gone into the seventh inning. At least he completed seven at Houston completed seven versus the White Sox at home. Obviously the tough Fenway start where he does pitch well until the sixth inning. Yeah. And then today he pitches into the seventh again. And this is, you know, the kind of stuff that you would have expected from Barrios when they dealt the prospects they did to bring him in. And I think the more that the starters can help out now, they've been a little feast or famine. They, they could go six innings a lot and it would be fine as long as they eliminated some of the three inning starts but the, the deeper they go, the more effective this bullpen's going to be. It is a team, after all, as individual as it can feel. And because of Barrios today, you have Garcia available on a lot of rest tomorrow. You have Swanson and Romano available on pretty good rest tomorrow as well. And that puts the bullpen in a position to be successful. It does... Uh... It does kind of feel like some games like this can boil can be sometimes boiled down to starting pitching good. Blue Jays win. Starting pitching bad. Blue Jays lose. Yeah, it, it is a it is a story as old as baseball in a way. I will say, you know, like momentum's only as good as the next day's starting pitcher. That whole deal. 
I would say in most games where your starter pitches into the seventh inning, at least in, in recent baseball, you probably win. Why don't we take a very quick break, Ben? And when we come back, we will continue on the text line. There's one text I want to get to here, certainly right off the hop. We'll take a look around the standings update for Bet365. And we'll also hear from John Schneider as well. He's just wrapping up his postgame availability as well. But that's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Back in a flash for more Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, I think just kind of the the quality of the at bat, um, swinging at the right pitches, bat speed is getting a little bit better. I think is a big is a big thing. Um, but you know his at bats, I think you know early were consistent. You know they were competitive, and he wasn't getting a lot of hits. And um, you know I think he's starting to you know come around. And you know if you can have that consistent approach um, from him night in and night out, it kind of rubs off on everyone else a little bit. And um, again, he's been doing this for a long time and. Um, he's kind of had that approach his whole career. So if he can if he can really lock it in, that's going to be huge for us. That is John Schneider speaking about Brandon Belt, who was four for five at the plates, ejected following his uh, fifth plate appearance. I do kind of wonder what you said, like you, what he said to the end, because like you said, Ben, uh, as we welcome you back to Jay's talk, Ben Shulman alongside me, Show Ali, I do kind of wonder, like if you get ejected, if you know you're going to get ejected, you might as well make it worth it. Like you might as well get well, your get your, end get of the your game. He knows in. he's not going to hit again. <laughs> so if you don't like the strike call, make your feelings heard. That guy's not working the plate tomorrow. He'll be at third base. But Bell did have a phenomenal day, and like John Schneider Huge. said, if 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 he can keep this up anywhere near this consistently, then I think you will see him certainly see. I think the estimation of him in Blue Jays' eyes rise a little bit. I would think, and also perhaps make him one of the more consistent bench bats. But that's uh, that's John Schneider speaking about Brandon Belt postgame. Uh, before we hear more from John Schneider and go back to the phone lines, back to the text lines, let's quickly go to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or game outcomes across many different sports, 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So Adam from North York had called in earlier and he did point out that basically all the teams in the AL East, and it's hard to say this because the Rays are playing the Yankees this weekend, but they are basically all winning essentially. So the Rays did lose um, earlier this afternoon to the Yankees. It was a three, two Yankees win over the Rays, just their third home loss, their third loss at the Trop all season, which is absolutely ridiculous. And 21 tries. I was going to say 21 home games. On on May sixth is um, I think pretty wild itself. Yeah, it's like two thirds of their games have been at <laughs> yeah. home. Whereas for the Blue Jays, it's essentially the opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah, it is basically the opposite. Uh, right now, the Orioles are leading the Braves four three, and the Red Sox lead the Phillies seven four. So with that in mind, this is how the AL East shakes out right now. Ben, even with the loss, the Rays are twenty seven and seven hmm. entering play. The Orioles are 22 and 10. The Red Sox 20 and 14 with the win. The Jays are now 20 and 14 and the Yankees are 18 and 16 with the win. So again, pretty tight, but basically every team in the division playing well, the Red Sox and the Jays are, have a winning percentage of 588, which I mean, I don't know on May 6th, I would take that certainly, but it's tough because the blue Jays are tied for third in the division, probably technically fourth given the run differential. For what it's worth, a 588 win percentage, it's a 95 win pace, which is only four wins off the greatest Toronto Blue Jays season, <laughs> tying it of all time. Um, yeah, I will I will say uh, those standings don't show the, uh, the full night's results yet because the Orioles and Red Sox both leading in the eighth inning 
against playoff teams, probably against the uh, Orioles up four, three over Atlanta and, and Boston up seven, four over Philly. It, it's, it's tough. I mean, you go look at the division that the pirates are playing in. They lost their sixth in a row. They're still in first because the Brewers right behind them are about to lose their sixth in a row. They're down yeah. four nothing. And the Cardinals, the favorite in the division, are ten and twenty-four after losing their eighth in a row today to the Detroit Tigers. And uh, the Cardinals saying that Wilson Contreras, the guy they signed to a very pretty penny deal, uh, is gonna DH their instead of being a catcher. Yeah, replacement. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what's going on in St. Louis. It's a tough it's, uh, tough kinda, times over there. Kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't know if behind the Mar- Reds in the standings. Yeah, I don't know if Marmel is going to be the manager of uh, St. Louis after this year. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to see. But uh, as uh, as it stands, that is the Bet Three Six Five standings watch. Um, we haven't talked spoken too much about the the offense tonight so far. Like beyond Brandon Belt, certainly Ben. And I wanted to get to this. Like the, apart from Whit Merrifield, he was the only Blue Jay. To not get on base, essentially. And apart from him, every single other Blue Jay reached base multiple times via either hits or walks. So, for example, George Springer, he had a hit and two walks. Bo Bichette had one hit and a walk. Dalton Varsho certainly had an RBI. He had two hits uh, himself. And then you and I in the pregame show kind of did talk about what we would expect to see from batters six through nine and, of course, we talked about Brandon Belt and his uh, two doubles and, and two walks today. But Alejandro Kirk had an RBI, he had two hits and a walk. Uh, Kevin Biggio had two hits, also had a pretty stellar defensive performance today. And then Kevin Kiermeyer had two hits, two RBI, both singles and uh, a walk as well. So I think, you again, you're not going to get that every single game from the bottom half of the order, let's say. But very encouraging, very nice to see you from those guys, who some of which had been, especially Belt, had been scuffling a little bit. Yeah, for Belt and Biggio, these are big games. I mean, Belt, you know, had two charging doubles. Biggio had two infield singles. But I think for Cavan, for a lot of people who who probably want him to swing for a little more average, maybe that's a good sign that he's just trying to put the bat out in front of the ball a little bit more, putting it in play. And, I mean, he's he's not a slow guy, letting some of the results try and speak for themselves once the ball is in play. It's, it's, it's too much to expect eight hits and four walks and five RBIs out of six to nine every night, even half that would be really good production from those guys. But it does speak, you know, we were talking about them likely looking up to pick someone up and they could look still to pick someone up at the deadline, but it, it should be put within the context that this is one of the most dominant offensive teams in all of baseball. I mean, their best player, even though Matt Chapman's been their most productive so far, their best offensive player was out today. And you would have had no idea. I will give some credit to do recently in the bottom third, but now back up in the top third, Dalton Varsha really, really coming on strong in the last couple of games. He has been. Yeah, he hit pretty well at Fenway, I would say. And yeah, I mean, two homers. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. also hit pretty well at Fenway, hit pretty well at Fenway and then hit pretty well yesterday as well. But of yeah. course, the, did not play like you're mentioning, had the left wrist discomfort. I did see someone post a screenshot of Flatty during the game and he kind of like had his chin resting on the top of like the padded part of the dugout fence, dugout wall. And he... I guess he did look sad because some of the caption was Sadamir Guerrero Jr., which made me chuckle. But I something tells me after an 8-2 win, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is just fine. Yeah, I was probably more like tired Amir Guerrero than, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's play, yeah. he plays, plays a lot of baseball, so I could see it. But, yeah, I mean, that, it's awesome to be able to hold Vladdy out of a lineup yeah. and come up with an 8-run, 14-hit performance. That's That's John Schneider's dream. You mentioned Kevin Biggio and how, apart from Belt, it was a big day for him. John Schneider did talk about Biggio. Let's hear what the skipper had to say about Biggio's performance, both at the plate and on the field. 
I mean, I think for one, he offers you know so much value because of his defensive versatility and because of his you know on base skills. There's there's a lot to like about Cav, the way he runs the bases, and I think it's just you know when he is in there um, having the at bats like he did today, you know, commanding the zone. Um, love that he put the ball in play with two strikes there for the infield single, something that he was doing a lot in spring training. And um, you know, again, it's uh, I know it's tough for players when they're not in there consistently, and uh, when you are in there, you have to make kind of the the overall contribution like Cav did today. That is John Schneider speaking about Cavin Biggio. And, and again, it's, it's not easy. I think Ben for players to, well, he, he didn't pinch hit today, but just for to not get regular playing time yeah. and then to come in and be successful. Right. Like I think we often talk about how, especially for veteran players. And we had this conversation, honestly, a lot about Brandon belt because he had the surgery in the off season. He didn't start, uh, spring training right away. So he was already kind of behind a little bit entering the season. And then he had the slow start on top of that. And, and then on top of that, he wasn't getting regular playing time. So finding a rhythm for yourself, especially as a major league veteran is probably not the easiest thing. I would still say BGO is a veteran. If, if not exactly the same way belt is in terms of service time and so on, but boy, it's, it cannot be easy to not get regular playing time. And then when you do come in scuffle, and not have a chance to work it out. So again, Biggio has always been pretty reliable defensively and they know, we know the blue Jays love his versatility, being able to play basically anywhere. We've seen him play in the outfield at a bunch of different positions on the infield, especially at first and at second, but it's good to see him have a teensy bit of success at the plate because again, there is a role for him on this team. I'm just not sure it is an everyday role. Yeah, it probably isn't. And, and it, is realistic that he's still getting used to not being an everyday player. I mean, he was an everyday player in 2019 and 2020 when he had really the most success of his career. And then last year and this year, or sorry, the last two years in this year, he's been rotating in a little bit more, but he also went down for a little bit last year. So it's been a lot of inconsistency and, and there are things he adds to the roster that other guys don't have. I mean, he, you know, he's a different type of lefty power bat, I'd say, than Brandon Belt. Belt, typically a little more contact. Cavin can provide a little bit more walking skills, like you said, the defensive versatility. I mean, he, he made a diving stop at first today and a tough, tough stab at the line and then flipped it, who was it, to, to Jay Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Jay yes. Jackson in the ninth inning. So th- there is a role for him to help out. I mean, he still has to continue to hit better, I think, to maintain his spot on this team. R- really, both guys outside of Whit Merrifield, who are rotating in at second, have not hit well enough to cement themselves on this 26-man, I think, when it comes to September. But there's so much time to still do that. It is May 6th. And, yeah, this you know a lot of guys, I think, are starting to get into rhythm, whether it be a Springer who's starting to get into rhythm now mm-hmm. or some of the pitchers, too, because it's not a tiny sample size now. We're 34 games into the season. People are starting to feel more like their mid-season feelings probably. And and maybe that's a good thing for Biggio, who, you know, like you said, was an everyday guy at one point and is still, you know, trying to get his rhythm now as a non-everyday guy. Well, I think, too, as far as it goes with Whit Merrifield, I, I, you know, like I mentioned, he was pretty much the only guy to not have a lot of success today, even though he did make a very good play, yeah, di- a diving phenomenal play, play at which, second base. And I think that ball almost certainly would have been a base hit if not for, for the play of Whit Merrifield. So oh, yeah. like, he's still obviously... Um, especially in this game, he's still obviously uh, adding value here, especially if he's even if he's not having all the success in the world at the plate, which is not going to happen every single game, as we all know. But I, I do think if, if anything has been shown to us in the last, even over the losing streak, is it's that Whit Merrifield is 
the every an everyday player, even if it, he's, even if he's not the everyday player specifically at second base. Like, I think that uh, we were kind of have, having the question like, will this be the case? It's I feel like that question has been answered. Like I think the question is, yeah, unless he gets injured, is it's basically. Whit Merrifield is your second baseman, and he's going to play every day just based on how they they shuffle things around matchup wise or availability wise or DH day wise off day wise. Yeah, I mean he played left yesterday, but I, it still does feel like he's playing more and more second base yeah. too. With with the other two second basemen, Biggio and Espinal, still not really hitting at a rate where they can play that often. So he he's certainly an everyday player. He is really starting to pay off in terms of the value uh, that they sent over to get him. I mean he's. You know, was hitting over 300 until he came into this game and dropped just below it with the 0 for 5. But, yeah, I think Witt, you know, he was kind of due for a day like this. He was hitting when a lot of other guys weren't in Boston. And, you know, this is the best day to do it. Your team picks up 14 hits, so they didn't need you today. And now you go contribute tomorrow. You got a couple minutes left here, Ben. I just wanted to get to this real quick. I, I, I want to talk about Kikuchi with you before we go because he's going to see the uh, he's going to see the field, the, the mound tomorrow against Contreras. Roanzi Contreras going to go for the Pirates, one of their top young arms. But when it comes to uh, Bo Bichette, we haven't, and I mentioned this earlier, but we haven't had to discuss his defensive performance really at all. And it's kind of, it's kind of nice. First of all, that we haven't had to field those calls and texts just because I think everyone has a more enjoyable time here when Bo Bichette is, is, Obviously, he's been performing well at the plate basically all season, but yeah. when it is matched by the kind of plays he makes on the diamond. And it's funny because when he is when he is viewed as an average or slightly above average defender, and then you add that into his offensive prowess, I mean, is there a shortstop you take over him? Like maybe one or two guys, maybe it's I don't know. I, mean, I know it sounds like dangerously close to something like a very homer take, but I honestly like I mean, you and I watch a lot of baseball, not that the play the blue jays play yeah. and they're not a lot of short stops i think i would take over bow if, if he's playing like this especially on the defensive side yeah i mean it, the metrics kind of support the eye test and at least say that he's a league average defender right now and with that i mean if we're at least talking value which is a little bit different than than production or or ability because it factors in age and stuff like that yeah it would be hard for me to argue there are more valuable short stops at, at this point i mean the short stops are getting paid $35 million a year until they're 40. Like the Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts and Dansby Swanson contracts are outrageous. They're really phenomenal baseball players. Don't get me wrong. Bo is going to get a contract. And like he's going to get one like that because yeah. why would you not get paid till 41 if <laughs> everyone else is going to? So yeah, I mean, this is, this is why you had to potentially, and I mean, it's not totally solved. We're 30 games in suffer through some of the growing pains because if he can just be league average. And like you said, I mean, threaten for a batting title have OPS is in the nine hundreds. I mean, that, that is, that's top shortstop production. That's Francisco Lindor, Trey Turner type production. And we might see, you know, even a whole new level of bow this year, both at the plate and on the field, which is I think phenomenal for the blue Jays who just locked him up for three years. Yeah. I was just thinking like you mentioned Lindor and Turner, Maybe the only two guys I would take over Bo, and given their ages, like you're saying, I eh, probably was a bit of a wash in terms of which which yeah. one you'd prefer. Like I'm between. not taking Seager over him. I don't think no. Seager's a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like yeah, that's not a Bogarts diss on is a Seager, phenomenal player. Not a diss on him either, right? Like uh, even if friends, even if Fernando Tatis Jr. was still a shortstop, I, I think given yeah. some of the off kind of a stuff, similar case, honestly. Yeah, but they had to move. him. They had to move him. Yeah, he's not a he's not a shortstop anymore. Yeah, he was. Uh, to be clear, he was actually significantly worse shortstop than Bo <laughs> yes, I mean, he yes. he committed far more errors in far fewer plays. Uh, real quick, Ben, what do you think? Uh, what do you expect out of Kikuchi tomorrow? 
five out of this or four of the six starts have been good for him. I, I expect mostly a bounce back. I mean, Pittsburgh really in the dumps. So I, I think right now he has the confidence to go attack. And whenever he is in the strike zone, it usually works out well for him. He, like, I, I think Kikuchi, he has been way more. He's used the fastball more this year, which is great to see. He still uses the slider, but he looks better with the, with the fastball. And he's not afraid to just pound the, the, the zone with the fastball, which is something I think we kind of were a little frustrated with at times last year. So let's hope he does that tomorrow against the Pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Should be a good one and a, a chance for the Blue Jays to sweep after being swept. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Ali. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is now in theaters. To celebrate, Crown Canada's number one rust protection is offering a special spring promotion inspired by the movie. Visit crown.com for details and see Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 now in theaters. For Ben Shulman, Ben Wagner, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. Thanks for all of the interaction. We appreciate it. Jays, do take the series with an 8-2 win today, and tomorrow they will aim for the sweep in Pittsburgh. Kikuchi will take the mound 1.35 p.m. Eastern first pitch. Ben and I are back for more Jays Talk tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.